season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast. Today we have North Carolina native, former Kane shortstop and second baseman and 2023 North Carolina signee. We got Gavin Gallagher on the JKR podcast to be the first player to be a part of this Kane's baseball series. Gavin, super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I really appreciate you having me. Hey, of course. So before we dig into, you know, your pro five career, your time with the Canes, I got one question I'd like to dig in with everybody to get on the J-Care podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Gavin Gallagher? Um, you know, I would like to say, uh, I like to introduce myself how I would, you know, hope others see me. And so I'd uh, be kind of just like, you know, um, hardworking but you know easygoing and just kind of like a, a good person to be around um you know um I like to be friends with uh everybody around me and you know outside of baseball you know I'll do do pretty much anything you know I like to fish uh play cards um play poker with the with the guys on the teams a lot of fun stuff like that yeah. So, you know, when you're at Pro 5 at those academies, you're talking about playing cards with the guys on the teams. I know I'm assuming you guys are taking long bus trips. So I'm assuming those cards are being yeah. being used quite a bit. Uh, but so let's let's go ahead. Let's start off with Pro 5. Generally, I start off with travel ball. But, you know, we're getting right into this season with Pro 5. So let's dig into it. Uh, kind of take us through, you know, you are from North Carolina. This Pro 5 Academy is, you know, like you said, 15 minutes away from you. So kind of take us through, you know, what that decision to go play for Pro 5 and how you kind of got connected with that academy. Yeah, so, um, you know, it all started kind of back when COVID hit and, you um, our my freshman year back in 2020 uh our season got cut short and so fortunate enough for me um my dad was uh in contact with the head coach Mike Griffin and he had invited me out to uh kind of you know get to work out you know because everything was shut down and so he kind of provided me um an opportunity to be able to continue to you know work out and grow in my game uh throughout that kind of dead time right there um and so that was kind of the start of that that relationship um you know I spent a lot of time with coach Mike that summer and uh throughout the summer and into the fall uh you know he offered me a spot and so uh it was kind of a family decision you know we decided uh it's really close by it's a great opportunity we've heard great things about it and spending so much time around it that summer you know I realized that if I'm if I'm serious about you know baseball is what I want to do with my life then this is the best uh this is the best position for me to be in so um yeah 2020 uh COVID you know a lot of people associated with bad stuff but for me it opened a lot of doors yeah so you know two three years down the road from that time where you made that decision to go to Pro 5 Academy you know you're heading to your senior year your third year at Pro 5 you know, what would your advice be for a guy maybe in that same decision you were three years ago? Do I play for my high school? Do I go to an academy like this? Uh, what advice would you kind of give them? And, you know, these past three years or so, you know, what benefits have you seen just, you know, going through this Pro 5 Academy? You know, I would say it really just depends on the type of guy you are. Um, you know, I played multiple sports all throughout, uh, all throughout my childhood. You know, growing up, I played basketball, football, baseball. And so it kind of got to the point where um, – my love for, you know, the other two sports for football and basketball were kind of, you know, dying down a little bit. My love for baseball was, you know, the most it had ever been. So I guess my advice, uh, if you're going through that and making that decision would be, um, you really have to think about, you know, this is what you're going to be doing every single day for the rest of your life, you know? So if you think that you can handle that and uh, you think that, you know, uh, it's really what you want to do because you have to sacrifice a lot. Um, then I think, you know, there's no better choice than to do it. Because for me, over these past uh, three years, it's really, you know, been the best decision I've ever made. Uh, the amount I've grown as a player and um, the amount my coaches have helped me grow as a player and as a person too, I feel like, you know, um, I wouldn't have gotten that anywhere else. Yeah. So you talk about your growth as a ball player. I'm sure that comes from, you know, just the great coaching that Pro 5 Academy has. <laughs> 
but also you guys getting the chance to play games in the fall, you know, beyond just the spring as well. So take us through, you know, what that schedule kind of looks like as a pro five ball player, you know, let's say summer season came to an end last summer, you know, what happens throughout that fall leading into the winter time to the spring where we're going, we're leading into right now, kind of take us through, you know, what that yearly schedule kind of looks like as an Academy ball player there at pro five. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a really great uh, schedule they put together. Uh, they try to run it as close as they can to a college uh, program. And the point of that is to kind of prepare you to play at that next level. So uh, once your summer season is done, um, around mid-August, we get uh, back on the field practicing uh, with the team. And um, we'll practice, you know, five days a week, lift three days a week. And, um, you know, uh, throughout September, October, you play close to 20, 25 games. Um, and so kind of those consistent reps throughout the fall, uh, you know, so you don't have as big of a gap between summer and spring. Uh, it really helps out to, you know, keep you sharp and keep your uh, in-game skills heightened because, you know, you can take as many practice reps as you want, but, um, you know, until you get into the game, game scenario, game uh, situations is where you really grow. And so uh, throughout the fall, 20 to 25 games, and then uh, into November, you start um, uh, finish our games end of October. Into November, we get, uh, you know, heavy lifts, uh, indoor practices. And um, from November until mid-January, it's just all about getting bigger, getting stronger, getting faster. And um, about, you know, honing in on your mechanics in the cages uh, while we can't be on the field and then everything kicks back up mid-January and we're back outside five days a week um, you know back on the field throwing uh, finally get to see the ball fly after all the jumps you've made throughout the winter in the weight room and so that's really that's really my favorite time of the year is right around getting back on the field is kind of seeing not only yourself but you know the other guys around you your teammates see how they've grown too yeah. Um, and so into the spring, uh, we'll play uh, between the two teams, we'll play close to 75 games. And so, you know, playing that, like playing that schedule, uh, 75 games in five months, that's like, that's where it's at. Like, that's what's going to get you prepared for the next level. Because if you want to play, you know, D1 professional and then into professional baseball, like it's, it's a grind. And so that's, that's where you really grow the most. So you said that conference play for you guys, you know, starting next week, you said next Wednesday, you guys drive down to, I believe you said what Fort Myers. Um, I believe that's what you said, but just take us through, you know, what some of those expectations are for this 2023 pro five North Carolina team. Uh, maybe some guys beyond yourself or, who are out there, you know, going to ball out this upcoming year, kind of take us through, you know, what those expectations kind of look like for this 2023 spring. You know, from day one in the fall, um, the goal is to win championship. So uh, we're going every out there every day, uh, preparing ourselves to win a championship. And so, uh, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's our team expectation is to uh, go out there, play hard every day and take care of the little things. And when you put together a roster, like we have, it's hard to beat, but the, um, the best thing about these academies is that that's everybody, you know, uh, every, all, all five academies in our conference, they have the best of the best. And so, you know, being able to go out there and play those guys um, throughout the year, like that's that's the that's the level of competition you want to see because that's uh, facing the best is how you're going to become the best. Yeah. So you say there's five teams in your conference. You know, those guys, you know, spread across the East Coast. What does that kind of look like? And then when you guys aren't playing conference teams, you know, where are you guys going? Who else are you guys playing? Um. So yeah. So everything we do is um kind of maintained to the southeast. Um. You know they don't they try to keep everybody so the travel's not too crazy because when you're carrying a roster of 55 guys as an academy, you know, sometimes that could be difficult. So, um, yeah, we got uh, one team in North Carolina, uh, one team in Georgia, one team in South Carolina, and two in Florida. And so we'll take, uh, you know, our bus trips 
uh, down to each academy and they'll come to us once each time. Um, and so that's kind of our conference. And then outside of that, um, we call it our spring training is what these this past uh, February has been. Uh, we play um, some more local uh, community colleges or JUCOs or uh, D2 schools. And so in North Carolina, we've played um, Barton. We've played Wake Tech. We've played Methodist. Um, we've had uh, two community colleges from Maryland come down and play us. And so, um, you know, your uh, sophomores through seniors facing, you know, 20, 22 year olds in college. Um, and so we kind of, you know, challenge ourselves with that early in the season. And, you know, you'll see our guys like they don't back down. Um, we know what we can do. And, you know, we're not going to let somebody that's older than us intimidate us. So we just go out and play. Yeah. So as you talk about those college teams that you guys are facing, Kind of what does that look like on the field level of competition when it comes to, let, let's say you're playing another academy, guys who are 16 to 18 years old, next game you guys are facing, um, you know, a community college. What does that you know, competition level change kind of look like, you know, with you in the box, you know, against the pitchers or just in general, like what the atmosphere is like facing a college team? Kind of take us through that comparison and maybe like what your mindset shift maybe is, you know, going from uh, facing another academy to another to a community college or JUCO, whatever. Yeah, so um, it might not work in the way you think it does because, um, you know, the the guys we face in our academy, um, these are all, you know, like power five or draft guys. And so, um, like, I've seen just this spring now, you know, you see the other academies post um, their games because uh, league play has started. We just haven't gotten there yet. We'll be next week. Um, but, you know, one of the academies down in Florida, they got – a couple guys that are touching 97, you know? Um, and so when we play these community colleges, uh, they, they usually have a couple guys, their best arms are usually, you know, low to mid nineties sometimes and competition's good. I think the big difference you notice is the depth, um, the depth in the teams. So, uh, the beginning of our year, uh, we've gotten off to a really good start. We've played really well, swung the bats really well. Um, and so we're just hoping to carry that down into uh, Florida next week. Yeah. So last question here about pro five. So kind of take us through what that average day looks like as an Academy baseball player. I know, you know, you guys maybe not have that structured, you know, maybe seven <laughs> class periods a day when you're like, you have to be at school at 8 a.m. Yeah. You're done at three, go to practice for three hours. What does that average school day kind of look like, you know, mixing in practice workouts and that class time as well? So the majority of our guys uh, do online classes. Um, and that's kind of to fit around our schedule because we're fortunate enough that I get to, I get to wake up in the morning. And the first thing I do is go to baseball. So, um, I'll wake up around six 45, uh, get breakfast, whatever I need. And usually at the field by eight 30, um, we'll have early work, uh, around eight 45 and, uh, practice is usually starts around nine Oh five, something like that. Um, and then, you know, we will roll through practice. We'll have our um, defensive work. We'll do our short work. Uh, and then we'll get into BP. And we're usually done with practice around noon. And uh, depending on the day, we'll have Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll have a lift. Um, and so we'll go from practice to our indoor facility. And we'll have a lift um, between uh, one and two. And from there, guys are kind of on their own to go out and uh, do their schoolwork. Um, and on those Tuesdays and Thursdays, we'll have academic days. So um, after practice, we have um, an academic advisor uh, on the staff. He kind of does, you know, a mixture of things for us. Uh, and so uh, we'll meet with him, you know, discuss our grades, or uh, we'll just, you know, go into a classroom uh, that we'll have, uh, typically somewhere in our facility um, and uh, just kind of work on stuff, you know, just to make sure, you know, everybody's staying on track. So making that transition to Canes baseball, kind of take us through, you know, your travel baseball experience here so far, or I guess your travel baseball career has came to an end in 2023. Yep. Take us through your travel baseball experience um, just from when it got started, you know, maybe how you got connected with the Canes kind of take us through that. 
Yeah, so um, I've played for the Canes for a very long time. Um, we started back uh, in 11U was my first year with the Canes. Um, we had, uh, so before that, played at kind of like our local rec league kind of, which for a rec league, it was really good competition. Um, we would put together an all-star team from there and go play and um, it was really good competition, but we decided to transition to the Canes. And um, so I've been with the Canes since I was 11. Uh, I started on one of the younger teams at the time. And, uh, you know, from the start, uh, you don't really get, you don't really get a better experience than playing for the Canes. So, you know, it wasn't really, <laughs> I didn't really have to make a choice. I, you know, I was, I the whole way. Amazing. Uh, the competition you play is amazing. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just a great program to be with. Yeah. So playing with them for you no know, six, seven years or so, getting to see you know, all these different coaches, you know, what are some of those relationships you have, you know, with coach Petty, who coaches at 17 U team mm -hmm. gets in some of these other guys on that Canes coaching staff kind of take us through, you know, maybe what some of those relationships are, you know, playing with the Canes for so long. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all great guys. Um, you know, they're uh, like, for example, we'll talk about the recruiting process later, but you know, coach gets in, he was one of uh he was one of the main guys that helped me uh, with the recruiting process. You know, he was always, he was always there for me to ask questions. He was always there, you know, to reach out to whoever, you know, I wanted to reach out to. And he was a great resource to have. Um, you know, they're all selfless guys and they're always there. They're always there for you. You know, I'll get, I'll get texts from, I'll get texts from coach Dan, uh, coach gets in. Sorry. He doesn't like being called coach Dan. <laughs> um I'll get texts from him, you know, just checking in coach Petty, you know, they're, they're all great guys. And so building those relationships, they're, they're great. They're great people to have relationships with uh, going throughout into the future. Yeah. So when you're, you know, playing for the Canes, from my understanding, obviously I've interviewed, you know, Petty, Gitson, Jarrett, all those different guys this past week. So I've gotten to kind of get a good feel on what the Canes are like when it comes to coaches. So from my understanding, you know, Petty coaches 17U, there's a different coach for 16, 15, 14U. When you are, you know, keep moving up to that level, keep I mean, keep moving up from 14 to 15 you each summer, you know, as you guys are starting out that summer, for the most part, are these coaches that you're starting off with guys that you're kind of having to build that relationship with, or for the most part, do you kind of know all these guys already kind of take us through you know, at the beginning of the summer and how that evolves throughout the summer, going to all these different tournaments with coaches. Uh, you know, I think it depends because, um, you know, you play in these tournaments and sometimes they'll be there. And so I was lucky enough that, uh, for the most part, I never, you know, walked into onto the team with uh, not knowing who the coach was, um, and so uh, going into going into summer ball, they do a really good job of, you know, making sure that everybody's on the same page. You know, they make sure uh, we we always have a team meeting. There would always be a team meeting before you know the tournaments start, uh, whether it's a Zoom call or in the hotel, you know, the night before. And they always did a great job, you know, making sure that everybody is on the same page and everybody's comfortable. So, so going through, like we, like you, like you said, you know, loving you, your first season with the Canes, you know, you play with them for a very long time. And that's what around what year, 2016, 2017, I'm assuming with you, you know, being 11, you, you know, going through yeah. them all, all these different years, you know, what do you think has led to this Kane success? Obviously they were great when you started, but I mean, they've evolved, you know, quite exponentially since you, since you've gotten the chance to play for them, kind of take us through just your eyes, being an insider. What do you think has led to that Canes baseball success? You know, um, you can obviously say they bring in great players and that's why they succeed, but, you know, you don't bring in great players for no reason. Um, they do a really good job from the start developing their guys uh, to lead into their future teams. And so uh, through, like, you know, through that development, um, other guys see, you know, like, wow, you know, they have great coaches, they know how to win, these players are really good. Uh, you now I want to go play for them. And so that's, that's what attracts the best players to the Canes is seeing how the guys that have played for them for a while have grown and seeing that their coaches know how to win. Um, and then once you get with the Canes, you realize that those guys stick around, you know, the players stick around because the coaches are so great and because they're so good at winning.
So looking back into your career with the Canes, obviously, like you said, comes a lot of winning. But also, if you could maybe go through pick two to three just favorite memories that come to mind of playing with the Canes, you know, whether that's on the field. I know you guys went to a lot of championship games these past couple of years, maybe doing something off the field as well, hanging out with some teammates. If you have maybe just two to three different things that come to mind when it comes to travel baseball, playing for the Canes, you know, what would a couple of those memories be? Um. One of the first memories is uh, that comes to mind is um, this past summer. Uh, this past summer, UBC, um, we went down there. Uh, we put a really good team together, a uh, bunch of great guys, and we played at USA the week before. And so we got to take the bus down from USA to West Palm. And so, so kind of that bus ride with, a bunch of guys that, you know, just met for the first time a couple of days ago. And so that, that bus ride kind of, you know, brought us closer as a team. Um, and so that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I'd say on the field, uh, 16 U or 17 U fall, I guess. Um, so the fall going into 17 U, we go down to the world series uh, with the team that we just came off of a big championship in the summer and we kind of rolled through that tournament um I I can't remember exactly but gave up something like we won like nine games in four days and only gave up like seven runs and the like you know the top tournament in the fall so that was yeah that was a lot of fun um going down there with a great group of guys and kind of dominating yeah so you bring up that USA Baseball tournament. You know, from what I hear, you know, that's just one of the best events of the year. All top 16 teams invite only. Take us through what that atmosphere was like going to the USA tournament, you know, facing that top tier competition on that game to game basis. Just take us through that whole event a little bit and kind of what that experience was like for you. Yeah, USA Baseball is a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's a great complex, obviously. Um, and the teams they bring in, it's the top competition. And so it's a really it's a really good way to kind of kickstart the summer because uh, you, you kind of get to see, you know, what your team's made of. And so, um, you know, we actually we, we ended up finishing third in that tournament and it was kind of a wake up call, I think, for our team, because, you know, we're like we you know, we had the best players in the country. You know, summer's going to be fun. We're going to win and kind of shut us out a little bit. And, you know, it was, it was a good wake up call to have. Like, you know, you're not just going to you're not just going to show up and win. Um, and so I think we really took that, took that as a team well, and we took that with us down to Florida. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're playing for the Canes, obviously, like you said, best players in the country, you guys have tons of power five commits going to not only UNC and the ACC, but SEC ball guys who are getting drafted this upcoming summer as well. You know, being around so many guys that are your same caliber, you know, going through BP with these guys going through, you know, different team drills. You know, for you, what are some different ways that you're going about, you know, maybe picking the brain of some of your peers, maybe seeing the way that they go about their business, especially with them being that same caliber of ball player as you, you know, what, what kind of goes into that? What are some different things you're taking away from playing with these type of players? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's kind of exciting um, because, you know, when you get put on a team like that, uh, it starts with, you know, you have to, you're kind of fighting for a spot um, when you have all these, you know, all the best players in the country playing your position you really got to earn it and so um I think once you're kind of you know once you're kind of you know comfortable with the guys and kind of understand where you fit on that team is when you really start to you know kind of um kind of start to try to learn from each other and so being able to get all the different perspectives and how guys think you know knowing how good they are and you're able to gain these outside perspectives that aren't yours. It, it's kind of like uh, just giving you like a new way to like uh, think about things. And so I know that, um, you know, defensively this summer, I played with uh, Rod Chalowski, who's one of, if not the best shortstop I've ever seen um, in the field. And so, you know, kind of watching him play is a lot of fun. Uh, he's exciting out there in the field. And so kind of, you know, getting to talk to him in practices and, you know, think about, you know, what he's thinking about. There's a routine, there's a ball hitting the hole. He has to go backhand it and make a throw on the run. So it's exciting to be able to, you know, gain those outside perspectives. 
Yeah. So you talk about the competition level. You talk about the competition level amongst the team internally, where maybe some of you guys are battling for spots, you know, throughout the, throughout the summer, um, especially with you playing shortstop second base where the majority, you know, traditionally where the majority of that main majority of the big time athletes are shortstop second base yeah. middle field. Uh, what type of, you know, I guess internal competition was there this past summer, maybe summers in the past as well. I mean, how you kind of went about that in terms of, you know, keeping that job and just competing against some of these, you know, top players in the country that you're playing amongst. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's funny you say that because I talked about, um, you know, you finding out where you fit. And it's because for me on that team this summer, I, I fit in the outfield. Um, you know, I got my innings in the infield, but uh, when the, you know, when that lineup came out for, you know, playoff game one, I, I knew where I was and that was in the outfield. And, you know, I've, I'm always okay with that because, you know, my thing is, is that I'm going to play wherever the team needs me to play. You know, if, if my bat's good right now and I'm in the lineup, I don't care where I'm playing in the field because I'm just going to go out there and do what the team needs me to do to win. Um, so yeah, kind of having that, kind of having that competition, uh, you know, it, it makes you, it makes you work hard and it makes you uh, kind of respect uh kind of makes you respect each other more uh for earning that spot yeah so while you're finding that fit like you said shortstop second base got that chance to play outfield this past summer as you head to that next level you know whether that's you potentially getting drafted this summer going to unc you know and through your eyes maybe through maybe some conversations with coaches where do you kind of see yourself at this next level do you see yourself moving back into the dirt playing some shortstop, some second base, maybe going to the outfield. What does that kind of look like as you head to that next level? Yeah, for me, my goal is to stick at shortstop. Um, that's where I've played for, you know, pretty much my whole life. And uh, it's, you know, it's where I feel the most comfortable in the field. And so that's what I've put. I've put all my work in this off season and the past few off seasons um, because, you know, I want to, I want to stick there at shortstop. And uh you no, know, I kind of I like I like having that extra responsibility of being kind of like the leader on the field, and um, that's kind of a part of my game that I feel like is is my best is kind of like the IQ aspect. So having that at shortstop, um, I think is a big advantage, and so I know what I have to do to make that happen, and I'm just gonna keep working at it to make it happen. So when you are transitioning from shortstop to second base to even the outfield, you know, is there maybe a mindset change when it comes to maybe your strategy, you know, pitch by pitch? What does that kind of look like for your mind? Uh, just take us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, playing shortstop, going from shortstop to second base, it's, it feels like a whole new world when you cross over uh, second base there. Um, you're looking at it from a whole new angle. And so, it, uh, you know, your responsibilities on the field change. Um whether that's, you know, like things like, you know, maybe bunt defense, now you're covering first base and you have to become a first baseman. Um, or, you know, uh, when you go to double cuts, you gotta, you're the backup guy or you gotta know when you're the lead guy, um, stuff like that. And so, you know, kind of knowing both or have, having to know both, it really helps um, to do, ju just to slow the game down when you're playing. You know, you got a whole bunch going on but you just have to know your job at that time and what you need to do at that time. And so if you're able to just slow the game down, it comes easy with, um, you know, how much time you spend on the field already. You know what you have to do, just slow the game down and do it. Yeah. So flipping it around to when you're actually, you know, in that batter's box on the hitting side of things, kind of take us through that hitting <laughs> approach. Let's say you're on the on-deck circle, walking up to that batter's box, you know, what's going through your mind? What are you trying to do with each at-bat? Kind of take us through that approach. Yeah, so on deck, it always starts with timing. Um, I'm really big on timing uh, because that's kind of where it all starts. Um, in the box, you know, it's hard to hit if you're not on time. So, you know, on deck is always to get on time. And walking up to the plate, I always have my routine. Um, and it's just kind of something that keeps me uh, kind of consistent. So I always have my routine, you know, going to the box, a step in the box, you know, clear it out whatever I need to do. And then I just clear my mind and I um, know the situation, know what the team needs me to do in that at bat. So um, it really, you know, it really varies um, depending on the pitcher, depending on the situation, depending on the scoreboard, depending even on how my swing feels that day. Uh, all goes into, you know, what I'm doing at the plate. So 
you know, if, if I'm going up there and it's the sixth inning and we're tied and, you know, there's a runner on first and I need to get him over, you know, I'm looking to shoot the ball the other way and, you know, get that guy to third, um, just kind of, you know, do my job to help the team. Um, I'm never trying to do too much. Yeah. So are you a big two strike approach type of guy for them? Like I got, obviously everyone's has a two, some sort of two types of two strike approach. <clears throat> kind of take us through what that two strike approach is. Yeah. So <laughs> my swing from, from my two strike approach, I, uh, I go from the leg lift to uh, a toe tap because I feel like um, it helps me kind of, you know, keep my head still more, less movement, but it's still good rhythm. And I feel like I still have good power with it. So I don't feel like I'm sacrificing a whole lot um, by going to a toe tap, but, you know, it just kind of helps me feel more confident uh, being able to foul off pitches and being able to see the strikes up better. So digging into the mechanics side of things, kind of take us through what your hitting mechanics kind of look like, you know, from your, your load up through your follow through, kind of take, take us through those mechanics and kind of how those have developed over time. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of, I've always had a, a similar swing, you know, it changes throughout the years, but, uh, the basics are always, have pretty much always did the same. Um, I like I like to have a um, kind of uh, I'm able to you know be on time with it, and I feel like you know it helps me generate more power. And so you know with the leg kick with the load, um, it's important for me that my hands and my load work together. So you know when my legs coming up, my hands are going back. Uh, to kind of get into a good launch position. Um, and I really try to focus on, you know, loading into my back hip. And, um, you know, it helps me. It helps me feel uh, strong in my legs and kind of ready ready to go when my front foot lands. So, um, you know, we, we worked a lot on um, landing soft and landing in an athletic position. Um, that, that allows me to, you know, adjust to off-speed, um, and be able to, you know, kind of see the ball better, I guess, you know, you're landing, <clears throat> landing in a good, good position sets you up for a good launch. Um, and so when my front foot lands, my eyes red, see the pitch, I know I'm ready to go. Uh, it's important to stay connected. So, you know, the back hip and back knee kind of work together. Those uh, work together, you know, down and into the ground is what we say a lot it's a good focus to, you know, um, the thought prop, but you're not just spinning on your back foot. You're really getting into the ball. Um, and then after the, you know, after the backside fires, uh, the back, uh, back elbow and hands follow, follow through with it. And, you know, it's important to stay connected, uh, hands stay connected, uh, you know, to my back hip and then hands stay inside the ball and you gotta, uh, stay long through the ball make sure you're not pulling off working back spin through the ball instead of top spin pulling off okay so as we look at your game's entirety from the hitting side of things to play in the infield play in the outfield maybe interacting with some teammates as well if you were a scout watching your game what would be that overall personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself um uh, that's a <laughs> the thinking question um i'd say uh personal scouting report um i'd say offensive side um you know hits to all fields good power to the pull side um likes to swing early in the count um fight with two strikes if uh if you get down in the count and then um say work win gap and um on the bases, you know, I think I'm a good runner. I think kind of baseball IQ comes back again on the bases. Um, I feel like I'm a really good base runner. Uh, good. I've I've gotten a lot better this year so far on my uh, steel breaks. And then defensively, um, say like say I think that I have you know good feet, soft hands, and um, you know the arm strength is something that needs to improve. Um, but, you know, I think the best part about my game is just being a good teammate. Um, I always like to, you know, pick my teammates up, always, um, cheer my guys on, you know, making sure that everybody's engaged in the game and everybody's focused, ready to go. 
So you talk about your arm strength there as something that you're wanting to develop here, you know, however long that happens to be, you know, whatever that development takes. But <laughs> before you move on to that next level, you know, beyond the arm strength, you know, what are some of those th key things that you want to put emphasis on within your development um, to just develop here before you head to that next level? Yeah, I think kind of like a, a broad thing is um, just kind of continuing to get bigger and stronger. Uh, throughout this offseason, I think I peaked um, putting on 16 pounds. And so that kind of added weight after um, a long summer. Uh, I really saw big jumps in the weight room. And so I think, you know, getting stronger, continue to add that good weight, uh, the muscle weight, um, and get bigger uh, really translates to all parts of my game. Um, you know, I think it helps at the plate start to see balls fly a little bit. And then, like I mentioned, um, in the field, you know, uh, with the arm strength. And for me personally, I've never thought of myself to have a bad arm. You know, I've always thought I've had a good arm. So I know that that's where I need to get to. Okay. Um, so you talk about your weight room there. You know, you, you added 16 pounds of good muscle or good, good weight this this past <clears throat> winter in the offseason. Take us through that that program that you guys are going through um, through the wintertime or even, I guess, sometimes in season as well, um, what that weightlifting, weight training program kind of looks like offseason and in season as well. Yeah, so uh, throughout the offseason, it's a lot of heavy lifting and we go through stages. So um, we'll have uh, – Typically three days a week we lift and then the other two will do some sort of treadmill program. Like the other one or two days we'll do a treadmill program. And so uh, kind of having that like steady schedule throughout the off season, it really allows you to build your own eating schedule around that. And that's kind of what I figured out um, was what works for me to put into my body, be able to perform and help me grow. Um, and so throughout the winter, uh, in the weight room, we have a really good strength coach. He does a really good job with us and, uh, we'll go through stages of, we'll have heavy lifts and then <clears throat> we'll have a deload week. We'll go into maybe isometrics, um, eccentric work, stuff like that. And then, um, you know, mixing in good, heavy lifts, good, lighter lifts, keeping the body fresh. And then it all comes down to end of January. Um, we all get to see our, our one rep maxes and our uh, main lifts. And, you know, that's, that's an exciting day for us because you really see that hard work pay off uh, right there in that one moment. Yeah. That was always, that was always my favorite week of the year. We call yeah. it Iron Man week was our, <clears throat> like our turn yeah. for it. And man, like we had, like you had, you were in so many points for being the top, so many points for being second, third, whatever. And like me and some of the bigger guys, obviously, like we we could lift a little bit. So like it was always, you know, that fun competition just to see who that exactly. number one was. His favorite week, you know, beyond actually playing ball. Uh, but digging into your recruiting process here, let's just kind of dig straight into it. So take us through that recruiting process. I know you said Coach Gitson really helps you out through throughout that process. Mm -hmm. But just take us through, you know, how that recruiting process got started, kind of when exactly that was that Division One teams kind of started reaching out to you. Yeah, so it was um, it was back in the fall of my freshman year. We went down to uh, PG tournament, uh, WWE, WWBA Freshman Worlds, I think it was called, and I went down there. I ended up having a really good tournament, a um, couple doubles. bunch of hit and um it was probably the next week after that tournament I got um somebody I got my first school reach out and uh kind of you know talk ask to start um kind of start building a relationship and talking and so that was a really cool moment for me because I actually have written down somewhere up here on my wall um and it was from probably seventh grade I think and um, my dad had me write down my goals, what I wanted, you know, short-term, long-term, whatever. And <laughs> on my goals, I wrote down, you know, um, play, it said play D1, and I listed my top schools, and then it said play D2, D3, go somewhere to play baseball. And so knowing that that was my goal only two years ago, and then find like getting um, freshman year, 
a D1 team to reach out to me. It was it was a really cool feeling. Yeah. So you you go through that freshman that freshman world. You're talking to your first collegiate coach as a freshman, 14 years old. I mean, you're still I mean, three and a half, four years away from playing college ball. You know, what's going through your mind at that point? Like, I guess mid-conversation, you're like, oh, shoot, I'm on the phone. I'm talking to a college coach. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure your mind is spinning. Take us through that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say that first call is it was a little scary. Um, you know, like you said, a 14-year-old. Um, and I was never really – I was never really ranked too high. I was never really on that radar as far as, you know – like tournaments go stuff like that and so um I never really had that kind of like experience or that kind of thought like you know you see other guys they got like started really young they they got like these pg interviews you know they're top of the class you know they're really good ball players and so <clears throat> this was kind of like my first like you know big experience um and so it was definitely a little intimidating um but you know they did a really good job making me feel comfortable. And I, I kind of, I knew from the start, you know, I knew my situation. I was a freshman. I knew I was going to take the process slow. I know a lot can change in the next four years. And so it wasn't actually until it, it took, it was over a year later when I ended up um, making my decision. So as that process was getting rolling, you said you took a year to decide. So I'm sure there was just a ton of teams, you know, going after at you at that point, you know, with these, all these initial conversations getting rolling with different teams, kind of take us through what those initial conversations kind of look like, you know, for the most part, where a lot of these coaches going about it the same way. I know from talking to other people, they talk about how a lot of coaches are pretty much all just questions that first call, but take us through that initial conversation, maybe some questions they're asking, just what does that look like um, in general when you're talking to a college coach for the first time? Yeah. So that first call, you know, they, they've seen you play in the field. They obviously like something about you. And so that first call is really about, you know, getting to know who you are as a player or as a person, sorry, not a player. They, they want to get to know you as a, a person because that's almost, that's, that's just as important to them as, you know, who you are as a player because they want to bring in guys that can help them win. But there's so many kids across the country, they're going to find the kids that can help them win and are good, are good people. So um, that first call is really, you know, they want to get to know you and get to know how you think and get to know really who you are off the field. Yeah. So as you were taking that time to make that decision process, you know, what were some of those key things that you're kind of putting emphasis on when you were looking at a school, a coaching staff? I mean, maybe the academics as well. Just take us through maybe those key things that you were looking at when it came to actually making that decision. Yeah. So for me, um, my dad helped me out a lot. Um, we went through, you know, um, like all the coaching staffs and, you know, um, kind of like their reputation, what they've done at the school. And, um, you know, as I talked to them, I got to know them a little better. And so <clears throat> I was really big on, you know, building those relationships and, you know, getting to know the coaches because that's, that's someone that, you know, is going to be a mentor mentor in my life. Uh, in a couple years and so you know I want it to be somebody that I feel comfortable with and someone that I really like and there really wasn't there wasn't a school that I talked to that didn't have that you know they all they all do a great job of bringing in great guys um so that was that was a big thing for me was focusing on the relationships with the coaches um obviously you know for my mom it's important to me too but my mom really wanted me a good academic school um you know, you know, cause not going to play baseball forever. So, um, kind of being able to, you know, find a good mix of a, a good, a good baseball school, good coaching staff and good act. So as that decision got closer and closer, kind of take us through, you know, what exactly that was that, you know, put UNC on top ahead of those schools that finished second and third and what that day was like, where it hits you. You're like, shoot, I'm going to UNC. That's where I'm going to go for ball. Kind of take us through that day and what exactly it was that put UNC on top of the others. Yeah. So leading up to it, um, UNC was actually one of the last schools that I had talked to. Um, I started talking to them uh, middle of the summer of 2021. And I talked to Coach Forbes, who's the head coach now. Uh, at the time, Coach Fox was still there. And so being able to build that relationship with Coach Forbes, um, he was easily one of my favorite coaches that I talked to. Um, it was always like, 
you know, you talk to, sometimes you, you know, get on the phone, you're like, man, like, I really, I got to call this coach, you know, not really feeling it right now. But, you know, when I wanted to talk to Coach Forbes, when it was time to call Coach Forbes, you know, I was excited to get on the phone with him because, you know, it was, it was fun conversation. You know, I felt like I was really getting to know him. And um, then after that, towards the end of the summer, I growing up in North Carolina, um, you know, you obviously, you obviously know who Tar Heels are. And so going to games there, being able to be around campus often, and then really going to, you know, on campus to kind of tour the place and really look deeper into it. Um, you know, it's a beautiful place to be. And so, you know, when um, that kind of kind of hit me, which is like I was walking around um, UNC and it just kind of felt like it felt like I was home. And so uh, it was September 28th, I believe. Um, I woke up, we had, we were, me and my dad had go to practice that day, but I woke up probably seven o'clock, walked in my parents' room and said, guys, like, it's UNC. I was like, you know, like, um, I woke up that morning and I felt like a Tar Heel. And so that was kind of, that's, that's when it hit me. So, you know, my parents talked about it. Um, they agreed. Uh, they thought it was a great place to be. And they were happy that, you know, I said that's where I wanted to go. And so I immediately got on the phone and I called Coach Forbes and just told him, you know, uh, that I was ready to be a Tar Heel. And so it was kind of a, kind of a surreal feeling at the time because, um, like I mentioned earlier, had those goals written down and being able to like just think like man one step closer yeah so so, so staying in state staying in state going to unc how far is chapel hill from where you're at um i guess just drive wise how long is that and then are you were you a unc basketball fan growing up i know you guys got duke unc and nc state all kind of you know close together wake forest i believe as well as in north carolina were you a unc mm-hmm. fan growing up and I mean, how far is chapel hill from you <clears throat> So Chapel Hill is about 45 minutes from us. So it's a close enough drive where, you know, if I really want to, I can come home, but yeah, it's not, it's not too, too close. So um, yeah, it's, it's not far at all. It's an easy drive. And growing up, uh, my sister actually went to NC state. And so she was, she, she was one of my best friends growing up. And so that kind of always felt like, um, I was, a, I was a state fan, always rooted for them with her. And so um, she wasn't too happy that I picked UNC, but um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a switch um, from that because I, I always grew up, yeah, you know, being a state fan with her. So as like, as an in-state kid for UNC, like what's that biggest rivalry? Cause like I said, like Wake Forest, I believe is in North Carolina too, Duke, mm-hmm. And then NC State, like, what is that biggest rivalry when it comes to actually like in-state stuff? I know here, like, it's Indiana, Purdue. Like, for, for yeah. you, what is that? So you know, it depends because when you're talking about basketball, there's no bigger rivalry. Like, I'm sure you can argue, but you know, there's no bigger rivalry than uh, UNC and Duke. And so, uh, if you're talking basketball, easily it's it's unc and duke but i think when you branch off into other sports it's definitely become more unc nc state oh really okay not wake forest no wake forest i think wake forest is a little too uh, a little too far out there nc state and unc just being so close together after you commit you said coach forbes was the assistant coach was kind of the guy that recruited you you know throughout yeah. your commitment he became that head coach um, what was that like, you know, being a commit to a school that, you know, maybe a coach coach decided to go away from the school? What was that like, you know, having a coaching change while being committed to UNC? Um, yeah, for me, for me, uh, I actually committed after Coach Fox retired. But um, still going through that, um, I sh- uh, is, it's good. To, it was good to have that relationship built with coach Forbes as my now being the head coach, kind of having that relationship built from the start with the head coach is always a good thing to have. Um, but uh, I, after he became the head coach, I shifted more to um, talking with coach Weirs Bicky. And so 
and also Co- Coach Gaines too. I've talked I talked to all of them a decent amount, but um, being able to you know kind of build that relationship with now multiple coaches uh, is just a really good thing to have. And you know, <laughs> talking to talking to all three of those guys, you know, sometimes you get them confused because they're just so similar, like. You talking to Coach Weirs and he'll say something. You're like, I feel like Coach Forbes just said that the other day. So it's yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I, I kind of had that same experience talking to the Petty Gitson, um, uh, Jarrett, and all those guys. Like a lot of like <laughs> I felt bad ask because I, I obviously like I said, like a lot of the questions I did ask him were somewhat similar, and they would have you know somewhat similar answers. And I was like, well, I mean, you can definitely tell that they're around each other. Yeah on the day-to-day basis, but with you, you know, committing as a sophomore, going through last fall, senior year, you got those big things going when it comes to signing day, going to official visit. One of those pictures you sent me was actually you in that UNC gear. So first off, take, let's go through that official visit. Take us through what that was like, you know, driving that 45 minutes up the Chapel Hill, putting on that UNC uniform for the first time and seeing what you look like in it. Just take us through that official visit. Yeah, um, it was really cool. I uh, got to, we got to go down there on a Friday and uh we had dinner with all the guys. Um we had dinner with all the commits and some of the guys on the baseball team, you know, the families, the coaches. And so it was a good it was a good like good little experience, you know, to kind of, you know, get to um bond with everybody. And you know, you you see all these guys throughout travel ball and everything, but um you know, there's still a few that, you know, you've never met before. So getting to meet those guys on that Friday night and then go to, a, we went, we were able to go to uh, UNC's first exhibition game uh, who I think they won that game by 60 points. So it's fun to watch them play, but the game wasn't, <laughs> game wasn't very entertaining, but um, we had a lot of fun, you know, went down there uh, Saturday uh, we went we're back out of the baseball stadium. We got to uh, the coaches talked. We got to meet some of the extra people on the staff. We got to meet Home Run Remington, who's uh, the bat dog. Really cool dog. Um, and uh, after that, we had lunch with everybody. And we split up into a couple groups. And we got to, you know, put on that uniform. And it's just another one of those moments where it's like, you know, it's just like that, that one step closer feeling. And, um, you know, ever since I committed Carolina blue has been my favorite color. So the fact that they, uh, they chose the all blue uniforms, just really cool. Uh, some of the best uniforms in baseball. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to be able to do that. Yeah. Baby, baby, and, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was, you got it. I mean, baby blue in baseball is always the best. I, I love it when the Cubs bring out their baby blues. You yeah. see the Cardinals all the time, um, Toronto Blue Jays as well. Baby blue in baseball, you know, just look, it looks pretty damn good. Uh, but oh, another, yeah. another one step closer type of feeling, like you mentioned, is signing day. Take us through, you know, you go through that commitment. You're committed for a while. You finally assign those official papers. You know, what does that feel like going through signing day and just finally making that official that you're officially a Tar Heel? Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um, being able to celebrate that with uh, my teammates, we had a signing day with Pro Five, and so getting to celebrate that, you know, with with my guys and uh, with my family, it's <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. And you know, you kind of you kind of gives you a moment to uh, reflect on the past couple of years and be able to you know reflect on all that hard work you put in, all those extra hours you put in. And it's a good time to kind of take that and slow things down and just kind of, you know, kind of just appreciate all the sacrifices and everything. Yeah. And then as soon as that's over, you know, you take it, you have fun. Sooner that's over, you're back to putting in the work because, you know, nothing's given. Mm-hmm. So we talked about your relationships with all the different coaches on that UNC coaching staff. Let's dig into the relationships you have, you know, with some of your future teammates. So being that class of 2023, going on that official visit, I'm sure you got to interact with some of your future teammates there. But what are some of those just pre-existing relationships you have with the class of 2023, maybe some guys that are there right now, maybe some guys in that 24 class as well. Just take us through maybe what some of those relationships you have with some of your future Tar Heel teammates. Yeah, we have uh, we have another UNC commit at Pro Five. Uh, he's a left-handed pitcher, and so being with him for the past two years there, uh, you know, we've we spent a lot of time together, and we're going to continue to spend a lot of time together. 
So it's good to kind of have that kind of foundation of, you know, at least one, you know, at least one person that you really know going into it. Um, and then actually uh, that back to that uh, 17 U fall tournament that I was talking about earlier that we won, we played the dirt bags in the semifinals and um, that team I had, I think had three, either three or four, um, four, four UNC guys on it. And so getting to play against them and talk to them after the game, a lot of fun because, you know, like um, competing against those guys, you know, those are the guys that you're going to be competing with in a few years. And yeah. so it was, uh, it was fun to get to play against them. And, um, you know, we kind of, we all, we all kind of stay close um, as much as we can. All right, so I got one last baseball question here for you, then we'll dig into, you know, the passions, motivations, like I said, to dig into the personal side as we end it off. So like you said before we started recording, so there at Pro 5, like you mentioned, you know, there's scouts, you know, coming in and out to go watch you and a couple other ball players At this point in the spring, you know, maybe what are some of those relationships you're building with scouts, what those conversations with scouts kind of look like, and where that mindset is, you know, going into the summer? Yeah, so um, talking with scouts, <clears throat> kind of similar to uh, back to the recruiting process with uh, you know the college coaches they they do a lot to um, they do a lot to kind of see how you think because they want to know they want to know like what your thought process is and you know they want to know who you are as a person um, and as a player and so getting to sit down and talk with them is fun because you know they always ask they always ask some tough questions um, but uh, it's it's nice to um, be able to talk to them and just see them at the ballpark. You know, they'll come out to they'll come out to games, they'll come out to scrimmages, practices, whatever. It could be a random Tuesday, and they'll they'll be there at practice. You know, watching BP, and so just kind of you know they want to see you interact with your teammates. They want to see you know kind of how you are in a casual setting compared to you know a game day setting, um, and see how you you know handle your work you put in. Um, but, you know, just being able to see those guys in the stands, you know, walk over, say hi, talk to them. They're all great guys. And so um, it's been a lot of fun to kind of grow those relationships. Yeah. So as they're, as they're asking those tough questions, what are some of those tough, tough questions they're asking you? Yeah. So, um, for example, you, you asked one of them earlier, they'll ask, you know, you to just go through your hitting approach, you know, and um, it's important, like, when you're answering that question, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And it might not sound like a complicated question, but it's just kind of a loaded question. So, you know, you want to make sure that you want to make sure that, you know, you're not, uh, you want to make sure you're not leaving anything out. Um, you want to make sure you cover all your bases there. Yeah. Kind of stuff like that. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure like the first time you're talking to a scout, just like the first time you're talking to a coach might be a little nerve, uh, nerve wracking, but. Yeah, it is. <laughs> But, um, so digging into the personal side of things here real quick, like I said, I got four or five questions. I'd like to end it off to dig into the personal side of things. So first off, digging into the most influential people, well, I guess this is a, still a baseball question, but your most influential people within your baseball career so far, you know, playing for Coach Petty, playing for all those different Canes coaches, your pro five guys as well, maybe some personal trainers. You know, if you could pick you know, maybe two to three people who have been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those people be and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Yeah, so number one, I'd have to say my dad. Um, he's he's coached me for a while, and um, <clears throat> he's kind of guy that, you know, when he's coaching on the field, uh, you know, he never treated me differently. You know, there were there have been times where uh, I made a couple back to back errors in the field. There's one specific time that I made a couple stupid plays in the field and right out of the game because. <laughs> You know, he doesn't mess around with that. Um, and so he really he really taught me, you know, taught me how to handle myself. He taught me how to work hard. And he always, you know, he's always there for me to put in that extra work whenever I needed it. So, yeah, just someone he's made a lot of sacrifices for me and um, really helped me kind of strive to reach that next level. Um, I say another one is probably, um, probably Coach Mike at uh, Pro 5. He did, um, he's done a lot for me, like I talked about earlier, you know, just even just that reaching out that one summer, you know, to invite me to work out with them, uh, really, you know, 
it really started a lot in my baseball career that I wouldn't have without it. Um, and say a third, um, Coach Petty did a lot for me this summer. Uh, going into kind of like over the winter, last winter and uh, into the spring, um, you know, I was actually, I was on the American team because, uh, you know, just kind of like the guys they brought in, the positioning, whatever. Um, they, uh, I was on the American team and, you know, he called me one day and said, he's like, hey man, like, um, you know, I really want to see you play. I really want you to play shortstop. I want you to be able to get your at-bats. And I think a better fit for you is on American. Um, but, you know, he offered me the opportunity to stay with the national team uh, and do both and kind of, you know, work, you know, get uh, get my uh, work in whenever they could. And so I knew nothing was promised, but, you know, he was out there. He gave me that opportunity. And that kind of um, just that just that single opportunity, I I really took that and I made it my I just made it my goal to, you know, kind of prove people wrong and earn that spot. And so just him, you know, like being able to do that for me uh, really motivated me to work harder. Yeah. All right. So taking away, so beyond the game of baseball here. Um, so if you could dig into maybe some passions that you got, um, some things that maybe take your mind off of things, maybe cope with some stress, whatever it happens to be beyond that game of baseball, you know, what are a few of those passions that you've had, that you have? Yeah. Um, so one thing that we've been big into recently that I really enjoy is um, getting together with my teammates on the weekends um, and we'll play, we'll play poker or pool, something like that. We'll just get together. And it's a really good way for us to kind of bond together outside the field, off the field. And um, I think it's been really good for us to kind of grow together as a team um, and kind of grow those relationships. So that's something that I've really enjoyed uh, over this past year. Um, but, you know, even like even little things I'll do is like if I'm ever if I'm ever bored, I'll play chess on my phone. Um, and it's something that just kind of like it's kind of like a different thing for me to, uh, you know, kind of think, I guess, yeah. it takes my mind away from other things and it makes me focus on that. Um, but, you know, just like my buddy has a boat. And so like going out at the lake um, and we'll just, you know, go hang out on the boat. And then just I fortunate enough to have a lot of great things that kind of help me, you know, escape, um, escape, you know, whatever is going on if I need to. So digging into the motivation side of things here. So let's say, so what is it that just, you know, helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve, continuously get better internally? Just what are some of those motivations that you have to continuously get better, you know, wake up every morning and continuously evolve. What are some of those motivations? Yeah. When, um, when you're running a, when you're in a schedule like this, you know, you're trying to get the uh, closest to that next level schedule. We can, it's a grind. Um, there's a lot of days where you're tired and you don't want to get out of bed, but for me, it's just, you know, having my sights set on that ultimate goal of, I want to play, I want to play major league baseball. And so like, if that's my goal, I know I'm not going to reach that if, you know, I sit in bed all day. So that really helps me, um, really helps motivate me, even on the worst days where, you know, I'm tired and I don't want to do anything, you know, just kind of get, get my feet under me, get moving. And as, as the day goes, um, you know, it's really, it's really easy. It's really easy when you're living, you know, kind of like that, that uh, high schoolers dream of playing baseball all day. Yeah. Um, so you talk. <laughs> So you talk about how your dream, you know, is to go play major league baseball, just like, you know, a bunch of kids in your position. So perfect picture, 20 years down the road, everything's going right. You continuously to evolve as a person, as a ball player. What is that perfect picture of your life here in 20 years? Ooh, well, 20 years, that makes me, what, 38? If I'm still playing baseball at 38, I'm doing something right. So I'd say perfect picture, perfect picture. Um, I'm out there. <clears throat> playing playing shortstop um for honestly whoever it is you know like I said um just going out there uh and playing the game I love you know um say yeah maybe a family <laughs> definitely definitely have my family there with me 
Um, so yeah, I, I think that's my perfect picture is being able to play baseball for as long as possible. There we go. So down to my final question here. Like I said, my final question, I pretty much ask all you athletes, this is going to be the same thing to end it off. Dream NIL brand. So you're going to get that opportunity when you head to UNC to capitalize on your name and likeness. So when you do get that opportunity, what would be that dream NIL brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate with, partner with, whatever it happens to be, what would be that dream brand? Um, you know, I could go with, I, I could go with the obvious of, you know, like a Louisville slugger or a Wilson or something like that. Cause you know, those places, those things are really cool, but, um, I really like my sunglasses. So I think maybe something like a hundred percent sunglasses, I think that'd be something really cool, you know, and it's kind of something different that, uh, you kind of like lets me kind of show show off who I am, you know, through something small like that. So I think that'd be really cool. See, I, I like that answer. I'm tired of hearing the Nikes, the rolling. <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes I tell people, like, depending on my mood, I'll be like, hey, come on, man. Like, come up with something different than Nike. <laughs> um, Lululemon's, you know, probably the number one answer. That's... Nike's too, but no, it's yeah. I, I like that 100% vision uh, answer. I think that might be the first time I do like their product. I've never worn it, but, you know, it looks good when I'm seeing players post it. But, um, no, man, that's that's the final question here. I love mine. Yeah, that's the – yeah. Um, like, I've, I've heard the same things. I know a couple travel programs have partnerships with them. Um, yep. seems, seems like a good brand. Uh, but, no, man, that's that's the final question here on the J-Care podcast. You know, super appreciative of you giving me your time. Um, and just thanks for coming on the show. You know, best of luck as you guys start conference play this spring. You go through this spring and you head to that next level, whether that's the 2023 MLB draft or you head to Chapel Hill there um, there in June, July. Uh, just best of luck the rest of your career. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.